Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Lord God, we pray that in this season of Lent, especially on this Ash Ash Wednesday as we commence this journey with you to the cross, we ask that uh, you would show us the treasures of our heart, what we treasure and where our hearts truly are, that in your grace, you would help us to treasure you more. And we pray that like Paul, we would see ourselves as those who have nothing yet possess everything. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Well, welcome to our Ash Wednesday service. You came at the right time. It's dark and broody now, so you're really gonna get it. Those noon people, they got the lighter version. This is, this is it. So it's Ash Wednesday, and we are beginning our journey of Lent towards the crucifixion of our Lord on through his death to his resurrection in that great celebration of Easter. And we start with this day, we mark this day, to take up our crosses and follow Jesus. And it is not a morose day, and it is not a needlessly morbid day, but it is a sober day. Sobriety is a good thing. We step back and we take stock of ourselves. And that sobriety begins with a call to remember. So after I'm done speaking, we will pray and Jay will pray over the ashes and each one of you will have the opportunity to come forward to be marked with ashes and Jay and I will say over you, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. We need to remember because we're so likely to forget the fundamental fact that we are needy, mortal, fragile creatures. Um, But the first statement, remember that you are dust, is not first and foremost a statement about sinfulness. It's simply a statement about who we are as human beings. Before the fall, man was dust. When God made Adam, 
he made him from the dust. That's what his name means. That's what Adam means. He would be called Dusty in English, I guess. Because if you were a Hebrew, you wouldn't ever forget that that's what Adam's name meant. And you wouldn't forget that our common ancestor, our common humanity, is to be taken from the dust and receive the breath of God and to become a living soul. That we are from dust means that we are creatures. That we are from dust means that we are dependent, just like the rest of creation, upon God for everything that we have. We are different. We have the breath of life in us. We are given creation as an inheritance to steward, to keep, and to guard as Adam and Eve were. So the call to remember is first a call to remember of who we are, who we are as creatures, who we are as dependent upon God, dignified, yes, made in his image, yes, breathing his very breath, yes, but dependent. Everything that we have, everything that we are is from him and for him. Secondly, the call to remember is to remember that we will return to dust. And that, this is where the fracturing comes in. This is where the brokenness comes in. You will return to dust. When the serpent slithered into the garden and whispered into Adam and Eve's ears that when they, if they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they would be what? Like God, knowing good from evil. The temptation was to turn away from their dependence upon God, to declare their independence from God, and to walk their own way, to become godlike in some way. And they do, they make that choice. And there's a fracturing that happens because of humanity's place in creation, that we are part of creation, but also over creation, given it to steward. It's not just us that fall, but the rest of creation with it. So this phrase that we're going to say, Remember that you were dust, and to dust you shall return, was first uttered by God. In Genesis 3, after that choice, after that fracturing, God says to Adam, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. It's part of the curse. It's not just that we're dependent, but now this aspect of mortality enters into the picture. So that is sober. Again, it's not morbid. It's not morose. It's just a simple fact of life. Death is a fact of life because of where we are in the story. But that statement is not the end of the story because there's one more movement related to dust. And it is that we will be raised up from the dust. The dust to which we will return in death, we will be raised up from. And that is the promise of resurrection. The promise of resurrection is that we will be raised up from dust. And why is that possible? Because of what Paul says in our reading from 2 Corinthians. God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So that we might become again, once again, daughters and sons of God. So that we might once again take up our inheritance as those who were given creation to steward. There's a song by John Mark McMillan called Murdered Son. And it's worth listening to as a Lenten song about the crucifixion. And there's a line in that song that gets this perfect, perfectly, which is, once from the dust, once from the grave, daughters and sons from the ashes you've raised. Creation, our creation from the dust, and our redemption to be raised up once again from the dust to be what? Daughters and sons. 
Which is why Paul can say, behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. See, when we enter into Lent, and if we take up certain disciplines, if we decide to fast, or whatever it is that we decide to do in this season, we're always doing it within the context that now is the favorable time. Lent is not this season on the calendar that's bracketed off separate from God's grace. Sometimes it's easy to think of it that way, that this is the season where it's all about me, and it's all about my effort, and how well I do at my fasting, or how badly I do, and get caught up in that. No, it's from beginning to end marked by grace. Now is the favorable time. As Paul says, be reconciled to God. We have the opportunity to do that in this moment. So the first statement of dust is about our dependence. And our fracturing with God is us declaring our independence. So what I would say to you is that what Lent is and what Ash Wednesday is, is our redeclaration of our dependence. The declaration of our dependence upon God. And the three practices that Jesus talks about in the gospel passage, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, are given their greatest meaning, meaning when we think of them in terms of dependence. Prayer is an act of dependence. So he says there's this wrong way to pray where you step into the crowd and you release your eloquence upon the unsuspecting masses and you get patted on the back for being super spiritual. That's the wrong way to do it. He says, go into the closet and your father who hears you in secret. Well, what, are you, what are you praying to your father in that closet? Well, this is the context where Jesus teaches them the Lord's prayer. And that is a prayer of dependence. Our father, you're the one who created us. You're the one who give us everything that we have, everything that we need. I need you to bring your kingdom. Not my kingdom, your kingdom. I can't bring it, you have to bring it. I need you to give me my daily bread. I need you to forgive my sins so that I can go forgive the sins of others. I need you to keep me from the evil one. It's a declaration of dependence. To pray is to declare our dependence. Fasting, oh boy. You wanna know how dependent you are? Give something up, (laughs) right? Taper off something that you really like and your body starts screaming for it. It shows that you are dependent upon things in your life. So the question that I would put before you and the question I'm putting before myself for Lent is this, who or what do I depend on besides God? These practices are meant to help us answer that question, to create space so that we can hear God speak what he thinks the answer to that question is. How would God answer that question for you? What is it that you depend on besides him? How does he answer that question for me? In this last discipline of almsgiving or generosity, when we give away what we have, we're showing that it never belonged to us anyway. (laughs) Whatever we give away is representative of the whole. And that is an act of dependence. It's saying my resources come from God, so I trust in him. I don't trust to my clinging to it. I don't put it up in storehouses, like Jesus said, where moth can come in, rust can destroy, where thieves can steal. I'm laying up treasure somewhere else. I'm declaring my dependence. See, the great paradox of the Christian faith 
that's with us throughout our whole journey, but is especially with us in Lent, is that our greatest freedom comes in from our dependence. That the more and more that we depend upon God and the more that we trust him to be everything for us, to give us everything that we need, to be the one who gives us daily bread, the more freedom we have. And to the extent that we depend on other things, the less freedom that we have. And Lent is an invitation to walk with Christ into freedom. And that's my prayer for all of us, is that we, over this course of 40 days, as we journey towards Easter, would walk more and more and more into the freedom of the sons and daughters of God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that now is the favorable time. We thank you, Lord, that you made your son sin who knew no sin so that we might be your righteousness, so that we might be once again restored to being your daughters and sons. I pray for this season of Lent for each of us that we could walk in a fuller and deeper measure of freedom. We ask this in the name of your son. Amen.